the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's 4 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I'm wondering if you have been back to a movie theater since, since everything got shut down 18 months ago. I know some have found their way back for a blockbuster or two. I know some of you have have found your way out because there have been movies that have been released over the last uh, several months that have been of interest to uh, many of us. One of those films is a documentary that came out in September uh, produced by the Kendrick brothers, who you know for their movies, uh, War Room and Courageous and Overcomer and Facing the Giants and Fireproof, we could go through the list of films that they've made that you've seen and enjoyed. Back in September, they released their first ever documentary, a movie called Show Me the Father, that was in theaters for a number of weeks and that will be is now available for pre-order, pre-release, uh, as either a DVD or video on demand uh, through Amazon, iTunes, the other places where you can go and order these movies. In fact, on Amazon, it's the number one bestseller in the documentary category right now. If you did not see this film when it was in theaters, this is a movie that you have to put on your must-view list and a film that I would say you should invite others over to watch with you because it is powerful, profound, great storytelling, just just a, a great picture of how significant and how important a father is in the life of his children, his or her children, or his, his children, his, whether it's sons or daughters. And uh, I, I just felt we're in that season between when it's been in theaters and when it's going to be available on DVD and on video on demand. But I just I wanted to make sure that this is on your list of things to make a priority when it is available for you to to uh, access online or as a DVD. And I wanted to talk about what's at the heart of this movie. So Stephen Kendrick is joining us this afternoon. Stephen is executive producer of this documentary and, of course, has been involved in all of the Kendrick Brothers films. And uh, it's a joy to have him with us this afternoon. Stephen, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you, Bob. It's good to hear your voice, man. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I, always nice to catch up with you. And, and I sh- we should tell listeners that... Uh, Right now, you guys are hard at work on your next feature film that's going to be in theaters next year, and and we'll we'll talk about that before we're done this afternoon. But this this documentary, show me the father. I know this was um, this was a passion project of yours that goes back a number of years. Explain why you felt so uh, felt this was such a significant topic to address. 
Well, it's interesting that it doesn't matter where you look, whether you look in prisons or you look in trafficking that's going on, um, you look at teens dropping out of high school, uh, or you go to the church and see uh, issues that are happening in the church. The one common denominator that is connected to the majority of problems is fatherlessness. And basically, the way that God wired the home, if dad jumps out of the cockpit and abandons the family, uh, you got a bus with no driver. And a lot of times you've got courageous moms reaching over and grabbing the wheel, but they can't be a mom and a dad. And you see kids in crisis. So the number one common denominator of people in prison, sitting in prison today, is fatherlessness. And uh, you see it in... The poverty rate, it's the key common denominator. You see it with teenage girls becoming pregnant or guys getting girls pregnant. Fatherlessness, they're seven times more likely to become a teen parent when dad is not involved in their lives because he doesn't just provide and protect, but he also um, provides emotional support and encouragement and stress management. There's a lot of things that dads are wired to do uniquely. And, uh, and so th- this issue is not only prevalent in the culture, but you see it in Scripture, that God has a heart for the fatherless. He's telling the church to reach out to the fatherless. He says, I want to be a father to the fatherless. And then even in our own lives, we see how deeply our own dad impacted us. And uh, so it really hits at the core of our family, because we saw our whole family tree change uh, when dad stepped up. And uh, But we've also seen, just in ministry over the years, the difference that a dad can make. Not that he's more valuable than a mother, but they're like two wings on an airplane. They balance each other out. And when he disconnects, there's crisis in the home. And, and I know this is something that you've seen how how God is able to bring beauty from ashes when there is a dad who abdicates or abandons his role. God pours grace on those families, and so it's not— it's not that uh, a fatherless home means catastrophe is is uh, inevitable, but but right. the statistics are there, and and you're so right. I mean, I'm I'm looking at uh, modern storytelling, whether it's movies or TV shows. I, I'm just looking at how storytellers have caught on to the fact that. Um, our relationship with our fathers, whether dad abandons the home emotionally or physically, because there are a lot of homes where dad's there physically, but he has abandoned a lot of his responsibilities. The the scars that that leaves on the soul of sons and daughters, um, it, it, we, we just can't overstate the significance of it, can we? Well, if you look at the issues of the heart, you know, what we believe about God, uh, that is said to be the most important part of who we are, uh, because it also connects with what we believe about ourselves and our own identity. But a dad is the first introduction to the fatherhood of God in the home. And if you look at the seven roles that dads play, or they're supposed to play, uh, they mirror the seven roles that the Bible says that God the Father plays in our lives. And um, so a dad should be emotionally connected to his kids. Uh, He should be heavily involved in their lives. But, you know, thank God for father figures. And that's one of the things that Show Me the Father gets into is you see, we don't beat up on dads in this documentary, 
we talk about the importance of that role, but you see amazing stories of redemption of people who grew up in broken homes or without a dad, and you saw father figures, you saw mentors, and you saw other people step into their lives. And But most importantly, you see people connect with God and how there can be healing of that father wound that people have held on to for so long. One of the stories that you tell in the movie is uh, is the story, is Jim Daly's story. Jim is the host of Focus on the Family, and his his for him to be in the role that he's in is beauty coming from the ashes of a childhood where his father left a profound wound. Well, and most people don't know that story. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones that's featured in the documentary because <laughs> – uh, when we interviewed Jim and walked through it, we didn't realize how powerful and emotional his background was and what he went through and uh, the lies he had been told, the abuse that he had seen or experienced personally. And then to see in the midst of that um, a father figure, a, a high school football coach reaching out to him and uh, not only leading him to Christ, but being a father figure that was in his life. And, uh, and he, Jim has written books on fatherhood now. <laughs> and talked about the crisis of fatherlessness, but he does it from a place of, of the pain that he's been through. But it has given me a much greater respect uh, for, for how God can bring healing and redemption. You know, we talk about that. Uh, we've had so many moms say, what do I do? You know, my husband or my boyfriend uh, or my kid's dad is not in their lives anymore. What do we do in this situation? And I would definitely pray that God would send other men into their lives. And you see that with Paul and Timothy. It's interesting that in Scripture, Paul points out that it wasn't Timothy's dad that had the influence on him. It was his mother and his grandmother. And they were uh, pouring into him, loving him, mentoring him, giving him the Scriptures. And then God sends Paul, a surrogate spiritual father, into Timothy's life uh, to take over. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. We share multiple stories in this documentary of what that mentorship can look like. And uh, it is it is great to see how God can can like you said bring beauty from the ashes. This movie comes ten years after this documentary. Ten years after you guys released the film Courageous, which was about manhood and and fatherhood being a significant part of that. Were the seeds for this documentary sown in your heart back when you were working on Courageous? Um, I don't know if we planned on making a documentary then, but we were preaching, teaching, studying fatherhood and culture and scripture and interviewing people when we were working on Courageous. And that that movie was so special because we saw this incredible impact internationally that flowed out of men uh, getting a vision for fatherhood. Because what we've seen is there's a lot of men that want to be great dads, but they've never seen what it looks like. And uh, I was I was actually a guy I'm mentoring that I was having breakfast with this morning. He looked me in the eyes over an omelet and bacon, and he said, my dad was an alcoholic. He was never spiritually right with God. And he said, I've got two little kids at home right now, and I have no idea what godly fatherhood looks like. And he said, I want to be there for my kids, but I'm driving in the dark right now. And I think his testimony, you know, could be echoed and repeated uh, around the world. And so um, one of the things we love to do in our films is to not just talk about it, but to show it on the screen. So you see Kirk Cameron with a quivering lip apologizing to his wife in Fireproof, 
and he says what millions of men need to say, and that is to, you know, I, I need to ask you to forgive me for how I've mistreated you, you know. <laughs> but there's people that are like, I've never knew what it looked like until right. I saw it on the screen. You know? The facing the Giants, the death cross scene, a picture of never giving up under the pressure, uh, you know, and in Courageous, they're watching these dads that are police officers uh, fighting the gangs on the street, which are the result of fatherlessness. And then they're going home and realizing that they are falling short at home, and they're trying to encourage and help one another to step it up. And you see what it looks like. You see these men begin to make changes in their lives, get involved in their kids' lives, win their hearts, ask for forgiveness, begin to pour into them, teach them, provide for them, protect them. And what a beautiful thing can bloom as a result of that. Well, I know, I know you guys recently updated the Courageous story, added to that film for the 10-year anniversary, the, the Legacy Edition, Courageous Legacy. And when the Show Me the Father documentary becomes available on December 7th, the uh, Courageous Legacy movie is going to be available as well. There's a DVD pack that has both of them together. And so it, it's just a great message for for men, in fact, I would think that a lot of men's groups would want to get together and watch uh, the documentary, talk through the documentary, and 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 make a weekend or make a, an extended day out of talking about how can we be the dads that God's called us to be. Well, and it's a beautiful thing when men can get together and challenge and inspire one another. You know, it's as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, and. Uh, it we have already seen it taking place. Uh, Kirk Cousins, the you know the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, saw Show Me the Father with his wife in the theaters, and walked out and uh, said, "We got to show this to the team." And so he started rallying and working with Sony uh, to be able to give private you know viewings to the the Minnesota Vikings because so many football players are overachievers, but uh, many of them have grown up in homes where dad was not present. And they became overachievers because they were looking for that affirmation they were not getting at home. Mm. And so, uh, but it's everywhere, everywhere you go. Uh, one of the things I love about Show Me the Father is that it is an emotional roller coaster. Uh, men love this movie. You see football action and you hear from NFL testimonies in the film. Uh, but it's a wide range of stories and everybody uh, has something they can connect with. Women are responding well to this film. Uh, they are they are being blessed and encouraged, and you feel loved on and comforted. It's like the light bulb comes on. Uh, we were praying as we were uh, seeking out who we should interview, and we're so grateful. It came together way better than we expected, and the finished product of the movie has been something that it's a rewatcher. People have watched it again and again, uh, but we're very excited about Show Me the Father coming out. Uh, December the 7th will be when it's out on DVD and immediate download. Churches can actually buy a license to show it early uh, this month on the 17th in November. Uh, if they'd like to do a private screen, they can go to firmfilms.com and, and check those things out. But uh, we are, we're praying and moving towards uh, prisons getting to show this because we've not only got a captive audience, but we've got an audience that desperately needs some hope and uh, they need some healing from, from the wounds they've experienced. 
Marianne and I watched it the first time, just the two of us together. And there, there is the, kind of the central story of the film um, is a story that we won't give away the punchline on, but it's an amazing God story about uh, an NFL player and and how he. Um, well, we'll just we'll leave it there. I, I don't want to say too much and and, and give too much away. The second time don't we watched the, <laughs> the second time we watched the film, we were with other friends who were seeing it for the first time, and everybody I've watched this with comes away from from the film going, first of all, wow, that's an amazing story. But then, secondly, the 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 profound message of the significance of a father. It's almost like people are are resonating. It's it's like we've we've lost that message in this culture, and to hear someone stand up and say this is significant, um, it is like water to a to a on a dry soul to say I'm so glad to hear somebody saying this because viscerally we know it's true, but it's just not being stated the way it needs to be stated today. Well, and this is the message of scripture. You know, the Trinity. It starts with God the Father. And uh, before there was a marriage in a garden, there was a father and a son in all eternity. And uh, the last verse in the Old Testament, God wants to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children and children to their fathers. But when you get into the New Testament, in, in Ephesians 3, it says that God created fatherhood on earth out of the fatherhood of God in heaven. That it was out of his DNA, in a sense, as God that he has created this role on earth as an introduction to who he is. That's how it's supposed to be. And so Proverbs says that there is a, a connection between our hearts and our dads. It says the glory of children are their fathers. And so when you get people to tell their father's story, and Bob, if you were to tell your story of your relationship with your dad, it is a matter of the heart. People oftentimes get choked up when they make themselves vulnerable to how they feel about their dads, either because they loved him and admired him so much or because they were so deeply wounded by him or abandoned by him. Either way, though, it is a matter of the heart. And so um, it, is, it is important that we realize that God is the perfect Father that we've all longed for but never had on earth, uh, and that our earthly dads are obviously not perfect examples of who God is. But if we can learn to let our dads off the hook and, uh, and forgive them and shift our eyes to God the Father, so much of Scripture comes to life because Jesus said, I came to represent the Father to you. I came to speak his words. I came to show his love. I came to do his will and his work. And that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that Jesus came to reconnect us back to God the Father. And when, every time he was teaching about how to pray or how to relate to God, Jesus would bring us back to, you need to call him Father, because that's what he is. I remember talking to a, a guy one time who said, I invited uh, seven or eight guys from church over to my house one night, and he said, I was doing this purposefully, intentionally. He said, um, we, we served a steak dinner to the guys. I mean, I cooked out steaks, and we had nice trimmings, baked potato, nice meal. We got all done with the meal. We're sitting around the table, and I said... Uh, I'd just like to go around the table and have each of you guys uh, tell me about your relationship with your dad. Just take however long you want and and just share about what it was like, the good, the bad, the ugly. He said, 
we got done just before midnight. He said every man there was desperate to talk about this subject. And every man there at the end of the night was asking, when can we get together again? Because something had been unlocked in that conversation that had been knotted up for so long and it was like liberation had occurred. I thought about that story when I watched Show Me the Father for the first time, uh, the documentary that the Kendrick brothers have done on this subject that we're talking about today with Stephen Kendrick. I, I want to continue the conversation, and Stephen, I want to talk about your story that's in the film as well, uh, a unique mm-hmm. story of you becoming a father, not for the first time, but uh, it, it's really a remarkable story. So we'll hear that after we take a quick time out. Stephen Kendrick joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live on KKLA. We will be right back. We're talking about the significant role that a dad plays in the life of his children. Stephen Kendrick, filmmaker, is joining us This afternoon, he was the executive producer of a documentary that was released this year called Show Me the Father that comes out on video on demand and on DVD on December 7th. And you you need to mark that date down and plan to make this a part of your December family viewing, get together with some other guys. I I think if you get together with any group of guys and just say, what's your, your father's story Stephen, you know this. You're going to hear some who are going to say, my dad abandoned me. Some who are going to say, my dad was abusive. Some who will say, my dad was emotionally distant. It's it's rare that you'll get a guy who will say, my dad was was a healthy, emotionally engaged mentor who I knew loved me and who modeled what what the love of God is supposed to look. That's the exception, not the rule today, right? Sadly, that's true. And uh, when I've spoken at men's conferences and said, how many of you men have never heard your dad tell you he loves you? And like half of the hands go up. It's unbelievable. And I'm thinking, it takes me three seconds to look at my kid and say, I love you and I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Tell us the story of, and, and it's one of the stories in the film, the story of Maya and how Maya came to be a Kendrick and be a part of your family and how you became a father in a unique way with Maya. Yeah. Uh, Well, Mia uh, is our... Excuse me. Excuse me. Tell Mia I apologize. (laughs) No no problem. Uh, So we, my wife, Jill, and I were, uh, we had four kids. We were happy. And, Bob, it's crazy the connections of how things are falling into place because it was actually while we were flying to New York to approve the final print on the movie Courageous before it went to theaters that this happened. Uh, But I'm on the airplane, and uh, I'm reading the scriptures and just praying through some decisions, and God speaks to my heart uh, unexpectedly and says, you need to be open to adoption. And that was just out from left field for me. Uh, we had four biological children and adoption. You know, I was happy for other people to adopt, and I supported it, you know, in theory and in their lives, but I didn't think we necessarily needed to adopt. And so, but I didn't realize when I talked to my wife about it that she'd been praying for me for two years that God would turn my heart towards adoption. And um, so, anyway, 
uh, I, I wrote down that date, the verse in my Bible, and I wrote adoption there. And um, fast forward two years, and we filled out all the paperwork. And I had already had a heart for China for years. Just God had just burdened me for the people in China to pray for them. And, uh, and we've got missionary friends that are there. So we went to China, and uh, but before we did, they were sending us referrals of uh, different girls, you know, saying, hey, would you like to adopt this child? And it was weird because they would send us these precious little girls, but the, the first four referrals that they sent, I had this heavy, dark lack of peace about it. Like something's not right. And, uh, and I couldn't explain it. I just felt like an insecure leader of my home that I was like, why am I not feeling good about this? And, uh, and so I, I was turning down these referrals, knowing that, that they would have medical issues and that we were okay with that. But I, there was just no peace. You know, it says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And I had no peace about it. And so, but the fifth referral came in and it was a little girl with a, Worst medical condition. Half of her heart was not working. Needed expensive surgeries. And, uh, and that she'd been left on the street corner in China and wrapped in a red blanket uh, with all of the information about her needed surgeries. And, and God just gave us this total peace, like this is the one you've been waiting on. And it said on her form she was born on 2-14-2011, Valentine's Day 2011. And um, my wife said she's born on Valentine's Day with a broken heart, and and I was like, that'll preach, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, we we turned in the uh, information and said we're going to adopt this baby girl. And a few weeks later, my wife said, "Hey, when did God speak to you about adoption on that airplane?" And and I I didn't remember. And I went back and opened up my Bible, and then the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. It said uh, adoption two fourteen two thousand eleven. The same day that God spoke to me on that airplane was the day that Mia was born in China. Wow. And uh, and I began to realize God has got a bigger plan than any of us have anticipated. And, and talk about how your understanding of fatherhood has uh, been expanded by becoming an adoptive father. Well, um, it's interesting that Ephesians chapter 1 of the Bible says that God becomes our Father. You know, He's our Father in a general sense that He created us. Um, but the Bible says that spiritually He becomes our Father when we place our faith in Christ, and He adopts us then. And the good thing about that, there's many good things about that, but the, one of the great things about that was you could never disown an adopted child in the first century. And so to be an adopted child was at another level because you were chosen and uh, your debts were paid and uh, you had equal rank, sometimes even better than a biological child. And, um, and it says in Ephesians that when we place our faith in Christ, God adopts us. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. You know, it's not our performance. It's not a performance-based love. It's a, a grace-based love flowing out of the love of God. Uh, but with that adoption comes all these benefits, that we are forgiven of all of our sins, it says in Ephesians 1. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are accepted and beloved as His children. We're sealed with His Holy Spirit. We have a home in heaven. We have a joint inheritance 
waiting for us, and we have access to his throne, uh, it says in Ephesians 3. And so when, when I'm looking at that and I'm looking at my daughter, all of these things begin to come to light to me, uh, and, and I begin to understand them at a new level, because Mia didn't do anything to earn or deserve her adoption. You know, she didn't send us money. She hadn't given us anything. She was just actually in desperate need, and we chose her. We set our heart upon her, and we went after her, and we uh, rescued her really from a, a hopeless future. A lot of kids, when they age out of, uh, of orphanages, they get trafficked, and so we are, we, are, we are bringing her back, and she doesn't realize who we are or what is happening, uh, but through that adoption, I begin to understand more about the heart of God because I have an equal love for her as I do to my other children. And, uh, and to see now that I don't want anything bad to happen to her. I, I, I want God's best for her in every area of her life. God began to teach me more about his heart for us, that it's not what we have done to deserve it. It's about uh, love that is flowing out of who he is. And how's her health today? It is good. She has had uh, three heart surgeries, and she is doing great now. And uh, we've seen her bloom in our home. We've seen her personality bloom. Uh, She looked empty, terrified, and hopeless when we were getting her. And uh, to see the joy and the spark in her eyes now, and uh, and to see that she has Yes, the education, the medical support that she needs, but she's growing up in a home. It's a happy home with siblings that love her, grandparents, and she she has an instant family <laughs> when she comes to the States and uh, with grandparents and cousins and a church and freedom. And uh, so uh, there is a bright, hopeful future waiting for her. But it all began when we chose her and adopted her. And then the flow out from that. And so if people realize that in our lives, it doesn't matter what kind of home you grew up in. It doesn't matter even what you've done. That God wants to shine his compassion, his kindness, his mercy. That if we'll trust him and we'll place our lives in his hands, um, he steps in and does things that we haven't earned or deserved at all. And that when he adopts us, we begin to relate to him as a, as a father when we pray to him, as Jesus taught us, that we're calling him father, and that he's promised he's going to meet our needs. He's promised that he's going to be with us in the valley and comfort us and strengthen us, and that we can begin to relate to him through Christ in a father-child relationship. And that's for anybody, anywhere, uh, at any time. So when you're talking to a young dad today who would say, you know, when I'm looking and saying, what's my model for what I'm supposed to be as a dad, and I got a blank screen asking that question, I didn't have a dad who modeled that for me, I don't know where to start, uh, but I want to be the kind of dad I'm supposed to be, where do you point him? I would say, first, be the dad you had wished you had always had. Because God wired it in your heart for that relationship. You always longed for, for a dad to affirm you and to, to, to speak into your life and to bless you and to be a presence and provide boundaries and those things. So you intuitively know uh, that there were some needs that weren't met and that you would want to meet those in the lives of your kids. Secondly, I would look at the great dads that are around you. I'd say, God, give me some physical examples of, of fathers that I can connect to and 
and hang out with them and their families and watch them interact with their kids, you know, learn from them. Uh, men are not uh, uh, inconvenienced when you take them out for lunch or coffee and say, hey, tell me uh, what the best tips on being a great dad. You know, what have you learned about that over the years? You know, find retired men who have great kids. And sometimes it's, it's not the showy guys. It's the behind-the-scenes kind of quiet, humble guys. But if you look at their kids, their kids are blooming, blossoming, doing well. Their grandkids are doing well. Take those guys out to lunch or to coffee and just say, hey, talk to me about the most important things that you would, you would want me to keep in mind to learn how to be a great dad. And then when you shift to a spiritual level, look at the scriptures as to what God says he does for us in life. And most importantly, Jesus. Jesus said he came as the perfect representation of the Father. So what if Jesus Christ had been your dad on earth? Yeah, how would you answer that question? What would he do? Well, what did he do with the people that he was leading? You go back and look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books in the Bible, and look at how he treated the people he was leading. He's comforting them. He's teaching them. Yes, he's disciplining and rebuking when they need it, but he's providing and guiding and shepherding them through life. And they adored him hmm. and, uh, and were willing to die for him. And he did die for them. And you just see this role that Jesus played as the perfect representation of God the Father in our life. And humility is the foundation of all of that in the life of Jesus and needs to be that in the life of a father as well. We're talking with Stephen Kendrick, who served as executive producer of a movie called Show Me the Father, a documentary that was in theaters back in September. It's coming out on DVD and video on demand on January, or excuse me, on December 7th, along with the uh, Courageous Legacy Edition, which is the Courageous movie 10 years ago with uh, new content added to it. Those two are both being released on the same day on December 7th, and I would say get in line now. In fact, on Amazon, it's the, uh, Show Me the Father is the number one release in the documentary category, so you can pre-order that now. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation about fatherhood with Stephen Kendrick after we take a quick time away. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine, talking this afternoon to Stephen Kendrick from the Kendrick Brothers, uh, executive producer of the documentary that was released this fall called Show Me the Father that was in theaters, going to be out on DVD and on video on demand on December 7th. So make a note of that. Maybe get in line, pre-order. Uh, you can go to wherever you get films, iTunes, Amazon, and, and pre-order the DVD or the video on demand today. Um, I mentioned that you're working on a new film, and so let's let's just talk about what you plan to have in theaters next. What, will it be next fall? Is that when you're going to release? Yes, that's the current best thinking. Uh, <laughs> we filmed a uh, a movie in the spring of this year. And uh, we're in the editing process right now. This one has some unique special effects that we're working on uh, to change the age of people that are on in the movie at different seasons of the film. But it's based on a true story. Uh, it is a pro-adoption, pro-abundant life film, very inspirational. 
Uh, I don't want to give away the punchline or, or the title of the movie yet because we still are uh, working on the title, but we're excited about this film. Uh, it actually is going to have Kirk Cameron in it. Uh, we haven't worked with Kirk uh, in a feature since Fireproof, but he is at a different season of his life, is very passionate about the subject of this film. He has uh, multiple children that he adopted, he and Chelsea, and uh, he's very excited about uh, spreading the message of a of this movie through a true story uh, that's that's uh, will inspire all ages, really. And and first time you've done a based on a true story feature film, right? Yes, uh, direct true story. We've had others where we would compile, uh, like Facing the Giants. You know, we knew of a, a coach that had been given a truck. We knew of a team coming back and winning the championship game. Uh, we knew of couples that we were aware of who could not have children and uh, surrendered it to God, and God you know, enabled them to have kids later on. And so we kind of compiled all of those together into our fictionalized version of Grant Taylor. Uh, but this movie is, uh, you know, the first names of the people are the first names of the people in real life, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're excited about this movie. Did, did you know a crooked car dealer way back in the day? I'm just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe. (laughs) Alex had actually, when he got the idea for Flywheel, he had just bought a car and uh, had prayed over the guy, you know, would you, would you bless this guy in his business? And as he's driving away, it hit him with this whole idea of what if a pastor had been totally scammed by a used car dealer and then the pastor turned around and said lord would you treat him like he treated me and then you see what happens and so that was the spark idea for flywheel uh which was our first movie and uh, it's crazy that we still have people after seven films that are telling us you know flywheel still my favorite so we're we're still trying to get the first one how did the car that alex bought turn out to work out okay <laughs> Uh, eventually, you know, he ended up uh, <laughs> passing it off later on. It was good for that season of his life, but it was funny. We ended up filming Flywheel with a, a church member's used car lot, and Alex said, hey, can we film our, a, a little church-made movie at your lot? And the guy was like, okay. You know, he, he didn't really think it was going to be that big a deal. He didn't realize it was like six weeks there at the lot while he was trying to sell cars, and so we had to stop the camera multiple times because customers walked in. <laughs> and we were like, okay, uh, this is the real deal, but we don't want you to be in the movie right now. So, And not, now when people come to Southwest Georgia and take the uh, the Kendrick movie tour, they stop by this car lot and see the place where it all began, right? That's right. They can. <laughs> they can dance under the tree in Courageous next to Flint Community Bank that, uh, that Alex's character danced with his daughter under the tree. They can go out to the football field where we shot the death crawl and facing the Giants. And and they can pump gas at the gas station where the truck jacking scene took place in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all still there. I, I have to tell you that uh, last week I was talking to a friend from church and I was asking him to do something. He he wrote me and said, I'll do my best. And I just sent him back a gif of, uh, of saying, I want your very best. You know, just screaming at him. Yeah. I want your very best. Give me your very best. Yeah. So some of the, some of those things live on forever. Uh, this new movie that you're working on, you mentioned it's pro-adoption, pro-abundant life. There's a pro-life message in this film as well. Are oh, you yeah. getting any headwinds on that as you talk to Hollywood distributing companies? 
Well, um, they don't seem to be afraid of it right now, but, you know, there's not ink on paper on, on all of that as we're working through those things. And so uh, it's interesting. The movie Unplanned ended up doing really well, a lot better than expected. And as you yeah. know, it was a, a rated R movie based on a true story of Abby Johnson's life and very powerful emotional movie. So the movie that we're working on will probably be rated PG. It is uh, – it is – you know, family friendly. There's, you know, no profanity in it. I don't think it's going to be rated R or anything like that. But it is. Uh, but we, you know, we believe that God creates us in the womb. Scripture says that all of us are made in the image of God. And uh, Psalm one thirty nine says He knits us, knits every baby together in their mother's womb. Life is a gift from Him. It's interesting that Proverbs thirty one is known as the chapter describing a virtuous woman you know it's starting in verse 10 who can who can describe this awesome virtuous woman and then solomon goes through actually it's uh it's not solomon it's uh it's another king yeah you know, that he's actually quoting his mother now that i think about it but he starts off that chapter proverbs 31 and when he's describing how to be a good king the things that his mother taught him uh he points out this that's really an imperative for us in Scripture, and it is speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for those that are destined to perish, defend them and speak up to them. Yeah, and I'm king, thinking that can apply to so many different things in life. King, king Lemuel, I'm, I'm just correcting you here, King right. Lemuel, who's at the, in Proverbs 31, that's right. And so if you, if you go, if you think about that last chapter of the book of Proverbs, um, his mother is giving him incredible counsel as to how to be a great king. And, but in the midst of that, um, she says and teaches him, you have to speak up for those that can't speak for themselves. Yeah. And that's, you know, we are to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And we should always show compassion for any young lady that, you know, anyone that, that is pregnant and afraid to have the child. And, Bob, I've heard so many stories of young ladies choosing to have a child when the whole world was against them, pressing them to have an abortion, and that child became the greatest joy of their life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, it makes me want to put a billboard uh, in some of these communities and say, and the billboard says, the child you are afraid to have will become the joy of your life. Yeah. Uh, And just that statement, because it's so true. So uh, talking about stories, I know anytime a movie comes out, you hear remarkable God stories about how he uses the films that you've worked on since Show Me the Father came out. Is there a favorite story you've heard from somebody who has seen the film, somebody who got in touch with you and said, here's how God used it in my life? Absolutely. Uh, Show Me the Father, even before the release, we were doing screenings. And uh, one of them, there was a screening in Alabama to a bunch of pastors, and Sony had hired a security guard to come to the theater to stand down front to make sure that, you know, <laughs> none of these pastors are going to film the screen and fire at the movie, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but it was a lady that was the security guard, and when the movie started, she started watching it. And uh, what nobody knew was that she had been shot with a gun by her dad when she was a little girl. 
Oh, my. And she had almost died. And her dad went to prison. She hated him. She was bitter with him. She had all this anger. She struggled with depression in her life. And she's looking up on the screen watching Show Me the Father about what a loving father looks like and how God can heal her wounds. And she broke down. And after the movie, she walked up to Mitch Temple, a friend of ours, and she said, I'm ready to give my life to God. She said, this is, this is what I needed in my life to help me to move forward. And uh, that was just unbelievable because it was unexpected and unplanned in her life. But we saw God, again, just step into an unlikely situation. Well, I, I just, again, want to commend to our listeners the film. If you did not see it in theaters when it came out in September, it's going to be available, video on demand or DVD, on December 7th. You can pre-order it now. Show Me the Father and the Courageous Legacy uh, edition, the 10-year edition with additional content. Whether you get it to watch as a family or you get it to watch with a men's group or uh, you, you just watch it on your own. Both of these films make make a powerful statement, but I, I commend to you. Show Me the Father was a remarkable documentary, and I know some people think, well, documentary, aren't those boring and, you know, and educational? This is a compelling, powerful, really an amazing documentary, and I would just encourage folks to, to line up for it and make plans to get it. Stephen, bless you guys on the work you're doing on, on the upcoming film that's coming out next year, and uh, and I hope a lot of people who did not get out to theaters in September will will take the time and watch Show Me the Father when it becomes available here in about four weeks. Well, I, I've seen the movie multiple times. I can watch it again right now. It is an emotional roller coaster. I'm so grateful for Sherman Smith and Dylan McCullough and Jim Daly and all the people that are featured in the film. But it is our heart's desire that people all over the world, because now it's being released in, uh, in Brazil it's in December. It just came out in Mexico and in Central America, and we're already hearing incredible stories of changed lives there. So everybody has a father story, and I believe everybody can have an encounter with God the Father. Uh, and it is our hope to give them a whole lot of hope and encouragement with their families uh, through Show Me the Father this Christmas. Stephen Kendrick, thank you for the time this afternoon. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll be back to do this again tomorrow on Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 